Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today we're in the food service space. You guys are going to absolutely love this discussion today. I am so fired up. On the podcast today is the CEO of Smoothie King, Juan Kim. Juan, it's so great to have you on the podcast Happy Friday, Justin. I know. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, I couldn't wait to meet you. Um, man, I mean, I knew about Smoothie King. I've, as I've shared with you before we hit record, I've worked in the in the industry for a number of years, but I had no idea your story. And so I can't wait to share that with our audience today. And um, thank you so much for just being here. Oh, thank you so much for your time as well. It's wonderful. So let's do this first. Uh, for those that don't know Juan, you're going to um, be amazed at his story. Um, let's rewind the clock, I have to say. Let's see. This is back around 2003, I believe. Um, you became a huge fan of the concept, and you opened the first International Smoothie King in South Korea. How did this come about, and like, wh- what led you and your career path to even doing that? So, oh, wow. That was, wow. <laughs> years ago. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you on the clock on you? <laughs> I know. I feel old. No. So, uh, let's go back to 2003. Uh, I, so, I, I went to school in the U.S. Uh, uh, for, co- uh, you know, I went to university, college in the U.S. And I actually uh, drank smoothie almost every day. So, when I went back to Korea, I was looking for the opportunity. And I thought about uh, uh, myself enjoying smoothie so much that I thought that I should bring the uh, concept of smoothie itself to uh, Korea. Sure. And then I contacted a few concepts in the U.S. at the time, and I liked the culture of Smoothie King, so I brought Smoothie King in Korea in 2003. I was able to open uh, three stores in year 2003. Uh, oh, my goodness, that was a big challenge. Uh, <laughs> right, so- because had you ever done that before? I mean, you had never no. opened a... Okay, so, so I don't know if that was know, that a difficult. Of, a lot of my keep friends and family were like, "Oh, you have no experience on restaurant. You just don't sure. know what franchising means. You just don't even know, you know how. I mean, you 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 uh, you have no idea to begin with. Sure. And also the other big big challenge at the time was uh, actually people who live in Korea at the time they did not even know what smoothie meant. Right. So they didn't care about king. They were like, what are you selling? Right. They didn't know what a smoothie was. Wow. That's interesting. I I didn't even think about that. So it was really, really challenging. But then obviously I'm here. So I guess I (laughs) take those challenges. (laughs) How did you overcome that? Like, it's interesting. It's one thing to not know the the restaurant business or how to even build out a, a, you know, I'll I'll say a multi-unit like location. It's another to have to educate a population on what a smoothie is. How did you approach that? So I think uh, uh, I really believe brand identity matters. And at the time in Korea, we wanted to make sure that smoothies sell because we are the only one who was selling smoothies at the time. So we really focused on how we position smoothie itself compared to juice, uh, coffee, or any other uh, beverages that a uh, cafe or other restaurants sell. Got it. And we had a very clear uh, uh, positioning and we believed in it and we sampled 
and we PR'd and based on those positioning for three, four years. And then all of a sudden, market started to understand what we are selling, and then it exploded. Wow. Now, was there a turning point? Was there a, a point where you thought, wow, okay, hold on here. We've got something, you know, you know, initially maybe overcoming the sales challenges, but then you saw a turning point? Like, what did that look like? It took about four years. Uh, so 2007 was the first year we actually made profit. Wow. Four so years for all, all listening. Four years, uh, by the way. Four Go years. Ahead. Yeah. And of course, during the during those four years, you know, the closest friends, uh, including your family, <laughs> they are the ones who always tell you to stop doing it right. now because you know, they, they hate to see you going through all the challenges, right? Right. So they are the ones who say, oh, you have done good enough. You know, people will never figure it out what you are selling. Uh, I mean, oh there are gosh. many reasons why you have to stop, right? Of course. But, Thank God that I really believe in the products. I really believed in a uh, 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 Korean market and I believed in my team and we just kept going. And finally in Seb 2007, we were able to make some profit. And then since then, everything changed. Right. And then by 2011, I was able to open about 120 locations. Wow. Unbelievable. And, now, and market got saturated. Wow. Now, how did you figure out where to open them in that? Let's just take that market in particular. And oh. th this applies, I know, more broadly. But how do you figure out where to place a, a unit? So we really went after Starbucks at the time. Got so uh, the, the stores actually looked more like Starbucks in Korea at the time. So it was bigger. It had a lot of tables. And also it was competing location-wise right next to Starbucks. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so that made the choice of location easy then. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Um, okay. So interesting. Now, as you were growing this in, in this market, you know, what was the response from the, the original owners of Smoothie King or the brand itself? Were they like, you know, wow, what's going on over there? Or what was their, what was their response as you, you really got this market going? In the beginning, I think they were scared of <laughs> right. our investments and the way that, you know, the positioning wise, like they, they didn't believe in the beginning. Sure. But obviously after three, four years, they looked, you know, how we are progressing. And then also, you know, or, or like we were winning, like in the market. Sure. So eventually they said, wow, uh, uh I mean, the way he said was, I kind of admire what you have done in Korea. That's why when I actually wanted to carry our mission and vision into U.S. and I asked him if he ever want to sell, I am your successor. Wow. He did not really say that much. And I think he kind of agreed based on what I have done in Korea. That's amazing. Now, more broadly, what did the Smoothie King brand look like then? I mean, for you, I mean, you obviously accelerated it over that the 2003, 2007, 8, 9 period. Like, what was the broader brand doing? Was it growing rapidly as well? Or what did it look like? No, I think... It Unfortunately, in the U.S., uh, uh, they were kind of like, I mean, they were not really growing at all. Sure. I think number of units, average unit volume, they were uh, uh, having uh, uh, some problems. And a lot of decisions were actually made by franchises at the time because there was a, a somewhat mistrust between franchisor and franchisees. 
I understand. Yeah, and we've we have talked about that model on other episodes of the podcast before. I'm going to ask you in a moment about the model now. Um, but before we get there, I, at what point did you decide? You know, I think I I know you had suggested, hey, if you ever want a successor, I, I'm that person. When did that become real? So 2011, I think uh, uh, I've been asking him since 2009, I believe. And, and <laughs> wow. I, he didn't really take it wrongly. Uh, uh, and then 2011, I think he finally, you know, said, why don't he talk? And I think I'm ready to retire, but I don't want to sell uh, uh, this to private equity because I know every five years, there is a possibility that the ownership will keep changing. Exactly. And that's not what I'd like to see. Because wow. he is the founder of this brand, and I think for him, this brand is always right. Always, it's going sure. to be his child, no doubt. And I think the, I think their name is Stephen Cindy. How do you say the last name? Kunal. Kuno. Kuno. So they were the original founders. Wow. Okay. So you're asking him for two or three years <laughs> and finally he thinks he might want to retire and doesn't want to sell it to private equity. And so when did you officially take over as the leader of the brand? So July, 2012, I was able to buy. Uh, and then I thought that I could actually travel uh, back and forth between Korea and New Orleans at the time, the right. home of was down in New Orleans. That's right. And uh, it actually took 24 hours, uh, <laughs> time-wise. <Right>. At least, <laughs> right? <laughs> and not only that, you know, there is a, a 13-hour difference. Right. Uh, so I did that for about six months, and I recognized it, it's just not doable. Right. And I, uh, so I asked my family to move with me, and uh, uh, that was quite a journey, because when we moved from Seoul, Korea, to uh, New Orleans, uh, U.S., uh, I mean, the cultural difference was huge at wow. the time. That's amazing. Um, for those who don't know Smoothie King, most of you probably do. Over a thousand franchise units worldwide. Number one ranked smoothie brand focused on health and wellness, health and fitness built around a simple, proven operating system. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then 2020, gosh, you ranked number one juice bar franchise um, and number 14 overall on Entrepreneurs Magazine annual franchise list. I mean, guys, remember, for those listening, remember 2012, this is only eight years ago. Your brand was growing somewhat. Um, Juan had blown it out in South Korea. And then now comes in as the leader. So one, you come in, um, you decide you need to move here, which I totally can understand for so many reasons, like the franchise relationships, you know, getting the operation in order and whatnot. What were the biggest challenges you saw, you know, with a, with a new set of eyes, I'll call it on the operation, you would come from, you know, rapid growth market where you were able to really grow the brand. What were the biggest challenges you saw coming into the role? Uh, I think everybody stopped changing or evolving. I think evolving is the right word. So brand wasn't evolving. Uh, home office people did not want to uh, make any changes. And But then franchises were kind of like, uh, uh, you know, we've been kind of staying where we were and like, what are you guys doing? So there was <laughs> right. between, between. So I had to fix a lot of those by telling everyone it's going to be different. The, this is, and then what I actually said with them was the mi new mission, new vision, sure. and all the core value to begin with, so that I told everyone that actually these three will guide us whenever we make decisions, 
So mission is who we are. And our mission is we want to inspire people to live healthy and active lifestyle. And our vision is where we want to be in a future. And and our vision is obviously uh, uh, we want to be the integral part of every health and fitness journey. And we have five core values that we always carry. So based on those three uh, fundamentals, we make decisions based on that. So I set those up and then I started to also change my team because unfortunately, uh, some people just just don't get it. And we had to change people. (laughs) And also we had to change some of franchises. But then after that, we started to evolve. You know, we started to change our logo, store design, or even our products based on our mission and vision. Sure. And those changes were hard. And sometimes people don't understand why we were doing it. Then I always had to remind them of our mission and vision and telling them, whatever changes we are making should always align with our mission and vision. And if you don't understand, I respect that you don't agree with me, but also at the same time, you need to understand I'm the one who's going to make the final decision based on these two fundamentals. And if you don't agree, please leave. Right. Exactly. Well, and it's, so I I have to, I'll take a little sidebar here. I mean, I think that's so amazing and, and so awesome to tie everything you do to mission and vision and clarity. And that helps everyone from the leadership to the operators, to the consumer, even understand the brand. My question for you is, I think a lot of companies struggle with that. I, I think a lot of companies and brands struggle with that. And I'm sure you've seen other companies and brands struggle with that. What, what do you think is the driver behind that? Like where, where do they go wrong? Others that, that can't tie to a good mission and vision. So obviously a lot of companies don't embrace enough, but then also at the same time, let's say a lot of people may not understand this, but I believe brand is alive. Meaning when you wear Smoothie King hat, you are no longer Wan Kim or Tom, Rebecca, or you name it. You are wearing Smoothie King hat. Sure. And you need to become Smoothie King, meaning a lot of people don't think that way. So whenever we have new CEO or new CMO, they come in and they think they can change the identity of the brand based on what they believe. Wow. But when you think about it, when you have clear mission and vision and clear brand positioning, identity, then it doesn't matter who carries uh, that brand, tactics may change, but the mission and vision will never change. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I love the phrase, you know, vision and, and uh, plans can change, but vision stays the same. And what's great about that grid through which to look is you can then shape product, you can shape experience, you can shape um, selection around franchise operators, you can select team, etc. because you're so clear on what, you know, vision and mission are. Yes, exactly. Um, so let's play that play that out a bit. So um, clarity and vision and mission. I'm sure that like you know for some people that could be like different. And so you talked about having to change out team members that you know just you know, couldn't align to that. What did the um, menu look like? What did product look like? Um, did you have to make tweaks to product to fit the the kind yes. of def- definition? So once again, going back to our vision, we want to be integral part of every health and fitness journey. 
right? So based on that, we talked about our menu. We talked about what changes we need to make. And we, we started to look at, first of all, our ingredients. And we wanted to make sure if we really want to be, become integral part of every health and fitness journey, we really thought that we need to clean up our ingredients. Meaning if we are not healthy enough, how can right. we be the integral part of every health and fitness journey, correct? Sure. That's right. So, so we actually kicked off the project called the Cream Blends. And then we looked at every ingredient that we had at that time. And literally, it took four years, but we cleaned up our ingredients. So we don't have any artificial flavors, uh, uh, preservative or color. And it's no, uh, 100% gluten-free, no wow. GMO foods that we use. All of our veggies are now 100% organic. And we have actually no-no list that actually has more no-no list than panera bread wow. at this moment. Wow. So we literally changed every ingredient, ingredient that we had five years ago, and now it's just totally different ingredient to begin with. Wow. That's one. And then second, what we did was we also looked at our product and make sure that do we have enough products to become integral part of every health and fitness journey? And we said, no, we don't. So we started to come up with new products that can help, you know, people to stay healthy and sure. lifestyle, but then we can also become their integral part. Wow. So for example, we looked at 2019, we actually introduced a, a high intensity workout smoothie, sure. knowing there were a lot of CrossFit, I mean, you name oh, it, yeah. Orange Theory, no Soul uh, no Cycle, doubt. right? Yep. There are a lot of high-intensity workouts that were came, coming out. So we, we came out with a product that can help people to fuel after their workout. Got it. And even 2021, we just launched a, a Stretch and Flex Smoothie. So that is definitely aiming people who do Pilates, yoga, or any flexible workout. And as you can imagine, those workouts are also very popular. <laughs> they these are. Days. They're booming right now. That's right. Yes. <laughs> wow. So that's that's amazing. kind of examples that what we have, we've been doing it. I love that. Okay. Um, let me go to the next bucket. I'll call. Remember, remember everyone, our grid, our grid through which we're looking here is a clear vision and mission. Okay. So what about franchise operators? So one of the things you talked about at the beginning was, you know, the experience around your stores in, in Korea and um, that they were more like a Starbucks. What did the experience look like when you took over the, the broader brand? And did you see opportunities for change I'll say, in the in-store experience. Yes, 100%. And uh, uh, so, you know, I mean, the, the, a lot of people, so let's talk about uh, uh, our product change and I will give you an example okay. of. So we were able to get rid of uh, uh, added sugar in more than 70% of our smoothies. So we don't have any added sugar in our 70% of product. And it took also five years, right? It's not easy. And while we were doing it, a lot of franchises didn't understand why we were doing it. And of course, we had to keep reminding them, this is the mission, this is the vision, and this is the trend. And when we want to become the integral part of every health and fitness journey, we got to do this. And some franchises didn't agree. And... Unfortunately, they said, one, I bought this concept before you came, 
And I actually bought this concept because I liked those sugarly drink. Wow. So, Interesting. Right. So once again, I understand where they are coming from. So I agree that I understand why you joined this uh, uh, community. But at the same time, you understand now we have new mission and vision, and this is where brand is going. And unfortunately, if you don't agree with it, you are the one who need to leave because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> so those conversations are not that easy. Sure. But then also at the same time, our franchise uh, sales team were bringing more new people who clearly understood our direction and wow. who also wanted to do this. Because at the, at the end of the day, if you really think of our mission and vision, it's really good for the community, right? Uh, no doubt. No good doubt. about by doing it. That's right. So we were bringing more new blood who really like what we were doing, but also at the same time, we had to change some of our people because, because they just don't agree with. That's right. Now, how, how does that work? Um, for those that may not be familiar with like a franchise system, how do you control a, you know, a, a franchise operator? Like, can you mandate um, you know, signage and menu and whatnot. How does that work? Just help our under help our audience understand that. Right. So, I mean, there is a, a definitely a, a, the the line where you what you can do and what you cannot, and also some of them can be in a gray line. Sure. But uh, obviously, one thing though, I mean, for us, mission and vision are clearly so important. If people don't see it. They will always have a problem, meaning they cannot, like, even if we don't really tell them not to leave, they also cannot stay because right. they just cannot agree with every decision that we make because every decision is made based on mission and vision. So once again, I will give you an example. We, we talked about example of high-intensity workout smoothie as well as uh, stretch and flex, right? So our R&D team, the way we work is we actually identify the new lifestyle and then we say, how can we come up with the products based on the lifestyle that we can help them to pursue? And then we can actually talk about the flavor. So when you actually think about a lot of smoothie shops, not Smoothie King wise, but you know, others, sure. you know, they always think of flavors first. Whether, oh, it's going to be new, whatever the fruit's flavor, right? Banana, right, right. strawberry, right? <laughs> and they always promote that. But what if you look at Smoothie King, flavors, we care about flavors. Don't get me wrong. And we care about you know, how delicious the product should be. But we always start with our purpose. And then our name of the smoothies don't have the flavor in it. Got it. That's interesting. Yeah, I I really like the blends. You know, like there were the the Be Well blend, the Stay Slim blend, the Get Fit blends. Like they're and they are a combination of amazing ingredients and flavors. So in the future, our goal is obviously when you buy Nike shoes, when you join a fitness center, when you think about oh I gotta lose weight, oh I, or even you know I need to gain weight, whatever those purposes are. We want you to think of Smoothie King. That is our vision. Love that. Um, 
I downloaded the app. Um, I, I did not have the app, by the way. I'm sorry. Oh, before um, the last couple of weeks when I was putting the, the interview together for today. But um, the Healthy Rewards app on the iTunes App Store has a five-star, 74,000 reviews. I mean, wow. Um, how, how big has the app been in terms of your overall go-to-market and engaging consumers? Like, What does that look like? So we believe... Uh, Healthy Rewards app is very, very important tool for our growth. And we need to make sure that our members also see the benefit that we care about these members. So we've been really focusing on it. We do every three months, we do focus groups and making sure we want to identify issues, problems, or any opportunities that they are looking for. And we keep investing into the app so they're making sure that people like what they are looking for. Got it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. You can find a location. There's and there's so much more to it on the reward side of things. Um, very very cool. Uh, I always love to ask our guests. You know what what would be some of the biggest lessons learned um, in in growing a brand? And you have an interesting story, right? You you did grow the brand initially, and then now you've become the leader. So I, I think two, two sets of questions for you. Um, one, what were some of the biggest lessons learned in the early days of growing the brand? You know, taking something from idea and concept to success. Let's start there, and then I'll get to some of your leadership principles. So uh, a lot of people, I, I, I bet as an entrepreneur, you know, when you begin your journey, uh, if it's easy, anyone can do it obviously. So what I'm trying to say is it's going to be very difficult and challenges are always well expected. And with that mindset, you need to have some guideline in your life. Meaning, let's say whether mission, vision, and core values have been my guideline for this company. So that even if, you know, one Kim is gone, still Smoothie King will be uh, Smoothie King will know where to go, right? Sure. Where, or there is a new CMO, it doesn't matter because we know how clearly which direction we are going. Because the reason why we need to have this uh, uh, North Star is that because without it, often leaders change their direction because things change. No things doubt. always change, right? Um, pandemic. Of course, no one expected. <laughs> right. right. Right now, we are talking about inflation. I mean, no That's one right. expected that. That's right. I mean, meaning in our life, challenges are always expected. And unfortunately, it keeps happening, but you don't want to uh, change your course whenever things change. So you should have very clear North Star and then expect that, that things, you know, the challenges will happen. No doubt. Um, and what about in terms of building a team? What's been your philosophy on finding, hiring, bringing on the right talent, putting them in the right places to, to be successful? So we uh, hired an comp- outside company so that we came, out, uh, came up with a survey uh, at that actually reflects our uh, uh, mission, vision, and core values. And whenever we hire, of course, you know, there are, uh, uh, we, we make sure that people take this survey. And then what's interesting is only about 25 or a little less than 25% of people uh, get 
uh, uh, the scores that we actually want to interview. Wow. So, so there is actually, yes, there is a filtering system that we've been using and then we interview and then we want to make sure that we want to hire people who have very similar core values that we are looking for and also understand how important our mission and vision for them because it is very important for us. Wow, that's that's fascinating. Um, and and a lot of organizations, do, have you seen others use tools like that or methods like that? Or is that something unique to that you all came up with and developed? So I don't know about other companies, but I believe a lot of companies, uh, when they clearly have mission, vision, and core values, and if they believe those are important, I highly suggest doing this because it, it, it's very essential. Wow. Amazing. Um, I love that. You know, um, and for those that um, don't know, also the overall numbers for the, the business from 2012 to 2020, um, gosh, under one's leadership, uh, the organization grew from 533 locations to more than 1,200 and then increased overall unit volume from 361,000 to 498,000. You know, thinking about that from a leadership perspective, one, I, I know you're going to say that that ties to <laughs> mission and vision, but, you know, what, what drove others to, to, grasp and to grab onto the idea like what what got them excited about the brand over that time that were that's really fueled that growth uh so a couple of things i think uh once again yes you you said it i think we've been sticking with our clear uh positioning identity under our uh, mission and vision but also second i think uh one thing we did was i wanted to make sure that you know our franchises also you know, their buy-in is super important, right? Sure. So meaning, of course, we need to really let them believe which direction, the direction that we are going is the right direction. But also at the same time, I've been reinvesting every money that this company has been making to the company back. We haven't taken any dividend. And thank God I don't have any private equities or investors in <laughs> right. this company. Right. So we can always reinvest sure. so that I wanted to make sure that they can see that we have also same skin in the game. And what the decisions that we are making will actually impact us the most. So we care. Got and it. then the last thing is we actually measure franchises profitability. And I want to make sure that our franchises understand it is very important for us to track that. And also our team's bonus is based on the franchise's profitability. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Because what I believe is, I mean, I was a franchisee. I totally understand when I make more money, I build more stores and we grow together. Right. That's how simple it is. That's why I want to make sure that franchises profitability is very important success factor for us to grow. And we want to make sure that our team knows that. And that should be one of our uh, top three goals in our company. Wow. Love that. Um, one more question. And we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up as we look uh, to the year ahead, uh, markets opening up a lot of excitement and energy uh, for growth. I know there's some inflation. We, we could definitely spend a whole podcast talking about input costs mm-hmm. and whatnot, but um, from a brand perspective, as you look at acceleration, what, what anything we should be looking for from smoothie King in the next year? Uh, I, I think uh, we are really going to the right direction. Uh, I think our team and franchises uh, worked really hard on the pandemic. Uh, this year, our sales has been uh, really great. 
Uh, and I just want to thank uh, many, many uh, of our guests uh, who enjoy our products and who believe in us. Uh, and we are not stopping. And until we truly become the integral part of every health and fitness journey, we will keep introducing new products. We will keep making sure that our products are healthy and also our environment is safe. And, uh, 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 and once again, thank you so much for having our uh, products. And we are the leader in this category. And we want to make sure that, uh, 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 you know, this category uh, become very important part of every health and fitness journey. I love it. I love it. I love the clarity. It's so awesome. Juan, it's been so great meeting you. I can't wait to... Um, we got to stay in touch. I'd love to have you back on down the road. Um, your concepts, not only for the brand and the business, but on the leadership side, I think are spot on and so powerful. And um, I, I think a lot of us could learn and apply the, some of the things you shared with us today and really make an impact in our business. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, no, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed talking to you as well. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.